Welcome in to Tailgate. Austin Gale here with Mike Renner. No Mike Quinn in the studio today. We got our backup, Stone Rochelle, Cali guy, just like me. Love having him in studio. He's here in Cincinnati. Um, where I'd want to start with this, as you open up your water bottle. Probably a little late for that. What is your problem? <laughs> Can you figure it out? I didn't drink. Uh, make sure you are following the Tailgate Twitter account. Follow the Tailgate Twitter account, PFF underscore Tailgate. You can leave DMs in there. We'll get back to those. You can also let us know um, if you want to leave a mailbag question, a trivia question for our Thursday episode. It's always a good thing to do there. You can also do that on Apple Podcasts when you leave a review. And then this week, no no interviews on today's podcast, but I got some treats. Mm. Kyra Elam, Florida cornerback. Chad Muma from Wyoming, the linebacker. Ahmad Gardner. Sauce Gardner, if you will, from Cincinnati, and then Kingsley and Agbury from South Carolina, all joining the show this week should be a lot of fun. I got something. That's like first rounders in there. That's that's what three probably three likely first rounders. We haven't we haven't locked any of them yet, but some might be. Did I tell you about the Monday episode? You have not yet. Sam Howell joins the show on Monday. First big name quarterback coming on the show for tailgate. You better tune in for the Monday episode. But big shout out to producer David Sofaro for landing these interviews for tailgate. We've got. Some dudes coming on the show. Some absolute dudes. All right, enough about that. Let's go ahead and get into the NFL review. Starting with Thursday Night Football, Bucks at Eagles. Eagles favored by six and a half. I put next month's rent on Bucks minus six and a half. Or no, I, it got out to seven. Mm-hmm. And I, got, I, got, I, I put next month's rent on Bucks minus seven. Eagles go for too late. What the backdoor cover of the oh century. It really was. Buccaneers still win 28-22, but I lose the bet. I'm upset. At the go for two, but even though it was obviously the right decision, whatever. But a brutal backdoor cover, and what was, in my opinion, a Buccaneers dominant win. Yeah. Like this was a they controlled the game the entire way. Yeah, it didn't feel like a one-score game. It didn't even feel like a game where like, oh, the coverage never really felt in play, and then you're like, holy shit, they're about to exactly do this. Exactly. So, so yeah, the two-point conversion, I was like in sweat, in a little sweat. Ah, it, it was the Eagles' offense. As much as we say, hey. We love passing the ball on early downs. We're, we're, we are for that. We are a pro-passing company, as it is. When you have a Jalen Hurts, when you have a dynamic rushing threat, when you have a guy who can be a value-add, and you have an offensive line like they have, and yes, obviously Lane Johnson's been out. He's not going to be back this week uh, after taking his mental health break. When you have an offensive line like that, at least try. like At least attempt to, because that's obviously what brought them back in the second half was finally getting the running game going. The ability to just get Jalen Hurts in that option runs behind that offensive line. You have the potential for, now I'm not, this is probably not a great comp, but like Ravens-esque success in that you can be this team that dominates the ground week in and week out that is, knows that that is going to be something you can rely upon. Whereas Jalen Hurts' arm, I don't care how much you're passing in favorable passing situations, you cannot rely on him to be a successful passer week in and week out. You saw in this game, 12 of 16, or excuse me, 12 of 26, 115 yards passing through the air. That is, I mean, that's just who he is at this point. He's not the guy who is going to consistently push the ball down the football field into tight windows. That's just not him. So you have to find another way to move the ball offensively. I mean, at that point, too, when you are throwing on early downs, I think you have the note here, 66% on early downs, highest in the NFL. That's great. And I know PFF always advocates for throwing the football a ton. But if you're not pushing the ball downfield, what's the point? He has the second lowest exactly. average depth of target in the NFL and from a clean pocket, which I love looking at average depth of target from a clean pocket because those are those pockets where you need to take advantage of the defense. 5.8 average depth of target, second lowest in the NFL. Like, that is... You, know, you might as well be running the ball. As I said, yes. like you might as well be running the ball if you're going to be that conservative when you do make the decision to throw. So a lot of concerns there with Philadelphia. And I don't, but I don't think necessarily that 
need to turn Jalen Hurts into what he isn't, you know, by forcing him to push the ball downfield, forcing him to throw it into tight windows. I just think you do need to make that shift in potentially running the football more and especially involving him in the running game. He should be getting 10, 15 carries a game with what he is as a runner compared to other quarterbacks in the NFL. Now, going against Tampa Bay, you don't like, I wasn't super surprised knowing that that Tampa Bay defense is allowing 0.6 yards before contact per attempt. Like, it's a fierce defense. But at a certain point, it is one of the only ways you're probably going to end up putting points against Tampa Bay. Yeah, Tampa Bay has a great mix of the run defense, at least, where, like, you think of those old Jets defensive lines that had Muhammad Wilkes and Sheldon Richardson, where it's like you really can't run the ball between the tackles. You can't, like, do straightforward downhill runs. You're not going to have success in that. So a lot of teams would approach them, teams like that, and then pitch it wide. You know, wide runs, pitches, outside zone, that sort of thing, try to attack the edges of the defense. Well, they got a linebacker that runs a 4-4 and a linebacker that runs a mid-4-5. So they got two of the most athletic linebackers in the league. So it's really no real way to attack them on the ground. So I don't necessarily blame teams for eschewing the run game against the Bucs. But the Eagles, of all people, should still be able to have some success. There was a comment, I think, during this broadcast about Jalen Hurts' inability to his ability to be this franchise quarterback for them. I think one of the bigger offseason questions for Philadelphia with all the first-round capital they have, they could mm-hmm. potentially have three top ten picks or whatever it is. Do they punt on this quarterback class because it's you know not as good as previous years? You know, people are still figuring out who QB one is. Is it Matt Corral? Is it still the backup at Oklahoma, Spencer Rattler? Yeah. Or do they you know invest in one of these first-round guys? Do they bring in a Malik Willis, whoever it may be? What, what are, where are you at right now? Seventy-two point one PFF grade for Hertz from a clean pocket so far this year, twentieth in the NFL. What is where are you at right now? Obviously, a lot can change. Well. I guess there's two big things to play here. One is that you, you have the rest of the season to evaluate Hurts. Obviously, uh, I'm of the opinion from just, you know, the NFL was kind of of the opinion having him go in the second round where he did, that he was not a franchise type of guy and there's nothing really been on tape consistently over the course of his career to have changed my mind on that. But you have another, you know, you have the rest of the season to make that evaluation. I wouldn't go benching him or doing anything uh, to try to hurt his That would be horrendous. Yeah, exactly. Like he, he is, you have to evaluate him as the potential to be that guy for you. But at the same time, you have enough draft capital where, like, it doesn't hurt to take one swing next year. You're going to have three, like I said, right now it's top 10 picks and probably worse, three top 20 picks. And so three top 20 picks, one of those, like, if you throw away one of those to try out a quarterback position, why not? It's like, I, I think you very much should. But then there's the other, the flip side of the coin where you, we've talked about a lot with this team. You have an aging, expensive roster. The guys who are impact players from that Super Bowl run in 2017, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Lane Johnson, all those guys, Brandon Brooks, on the wrong side of 30, not getting any better, hurt now, some of them. Like there, there are big issues with this roster in terms of impact players on rookie contracts that you need to build youth as well. So you kind of want both. So there are, they, they did do a good job Howie Roseman did putting themselves in that position with those three first-rounders next year, likely first-rounders, depending on if the Colts end up just benching Wentz at some point to try to save face for that first-rounder. But <laughs> doubt that happens. I, don't, yeah, I doubt they do, too. But they did a very good job putting themselves in that position to make that sort of rebuild. I'm excited to see. I think they're going to be one of the better you know, off-season follows. You know, yeah. What they do in free agency, how they approach the draft. I think they're going to be one of the teams that's talked about the most, especially with how this, you know, this season turns out with Jalen Hurts and this quarterback class, etc. Who decides to come back to school? I think we had that conversation about Rattler recently as well. On to London. We're not doing the accents again this week. We can't do it. The Jacksonville Jaguars... Calling my an accent was very generous. Thank it's true. you. It's true. Jacksonville Jaguars are 1-0 on foreign soil. Mm-hmm. I hope you know that. Trevor they, Lawrence hasn't lost a game. 
Not in the USA. I like it. Jaguars win this one 23-20. They were actually three and a half point dogs in London. And Tua Tungabailoa started this game and played well. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence, though, maybe outperformed him. He looked really good in this game. I think you continue to see the issues with the supporting cast and why they're three and a half point dogs to the Dolphins in London. But I do think time and time again, Trevor Lawrence, if you look on a throw-by-throw basis, maybe isn't the highest graded rookie quarterback. Mac Jones maybe has outperformed him there. But he has put up the most highlight-level throws, the most high-end throws of any yeah. rookie quarterback this year. Yeah, this was a game, this was probably the first time for Lawrence all season where I was like, he didn't have a rookie sort of mistake on tape. You know, there were only like a handful of plays that were even like, you would say, quote-unquote, bad, like misses. Mm-hmm. You had that like third down before in the two-minute drill before the half that they ended up actually converting on fourth down. And then he had the third down uh, towards the end of the game. I think it was in the fourth quarter where he's rolling to his right and he just overthrew, overthrew. But that was a difficult throw. Like, there weren't a lot of plays on his tape where it's like, yikes, that was bad. So this was the first game where it was like, even when he was missing, it wasn't necessarily like it was in the safe spot, that sort of thing. So job well done from him. Other side of the ball, though, Miami. The, like, this offensive line is so, so bad. Such an issue. And we set it going in. And like I said, Tua was good, but you were, it was an untenable situation. Again, his average time to throw in this game was 2.46 seconds. For the, if like compared to quarterbacks in the NFL, that would be fourth fastest in the NFL for an entire season. Yet he was still pressured on almost 40% of his dropbacks, which is 7%, 7 percentage points above average for the NFL. So being one of the quickest time to throw is, and being pressured that much, like their offensive line, and that's against the Jaguars. Like they let Josh Allen have a field day Career game. in that game. Exactly. Like it was pretty ridiculous. He's just in a situation where it's not, it's just not good. It's we, we've not said a great that, I situation to develop. And he, like I said, he looked fine, but it is that offensive line still. That term we've used for Miami's offensive line, I think others as well, it's just like losing football. Like you, you can't win football yeah. games consistently with the state of this offensive line. Josh Allen, the former first-round pick out of Kentucky, had a career game, 90-plus PFF grade in this one, going against a rookie and Liam Eikenberg for most of the game. And it was not even close. It was a complete mismatch pretty much in every, every position along that Dolphins offensive line. And you're not, not, you're not going to get anything going on the run game. You're not going to get anything going through the air. All of it's going to have to be really quick. And, and so much has to be on the back of Tua Tungabailoa. And it was, you know, while he did play a good game, it wasn't enough, obviously, to beat what were the winless Jaguars in London. Some concern there. Also, I, I probably should have gone back and watched like the press conference after, but what the hell was Miami doing on that last play of the game? That, that was one of the worst decisions I've seen. Like, you have, what was it, five seconds on the clock. Any play that goes farther than five yards on the football field is going to take longer than five seconds. Uh, they have a timeout, so you don't need to necessarily, you know, like scrunch everything in and guard the sidelines really tight. But you do need to guard against any quick throw because anything longer than, like I said, what they, exactly what they did, which was a tight slant, five yards, six yards, get them in the field goal range, anything longer than that, the clock is over. Yeah. So they are playing guys eight yards off the ball and just allow that. Like that was malpractice from a defensive coordinator standpoint. I couldn't believe that with Brian Flores, you know, how – well coached as defenses have been and how prepared usually they are week in and week out that was just a boneheaded call damn you hate to see it before we get to packers bears i want to let you know you can save 20 for 25 off any pff subscription using promo code tailgate 
Promo code tailgate. Support the podcast if you like Mike and myself and this pod. Make sure you go to pff.com. If you're not already a subscriber, you can use promo code tailgate for 25% off any PFF subscription. That's every locked article. That's all of the you know college and betting dashboards. That's the draft guide when it comes out, the player grades, player props tool, all that stuff. Anything you want at pff.com. Go subscribe. Promo code tailgate. Bears, Packers. I think we both picked the Packers to, or the Bears to cover plus four and a half at home. They don't. Packers win 24-14. Aaron Rodgers, that was probably my favorite moment in Aaron Rodgers' career. When he does the belt, after getting pushed arguably late, by the way, arguably late, does the belt on the sideline, screams into the fans in Chicago. And so everyone quote tweeted or quoted, I own you, I still own you. Right before that, he says, I've owned you my whole fucking life. And it is the best. That is the (laughs) best thing I've ever seen. And it was so, um, it was like uh, involuntary for Rodgers. Like, this was not planned. He just was like, I've owned you. It just came out so quick. It it was like pure passion. And you go back to that Aaron Rodgers quote, like, how do you not get romantic about football? That, that is how you get romantic every single week. That was incredible. A really good performance from Rodgers. And honestly, the quote of the year. It was like a wrestler grabbing the mic after a match is what it was. And he does. I mean, he straight up does own the Bears over the past decade. That way they've lost three times. It's been nothing short of that. And that was, I mean, that was like, you don't mock the belt is the thing. Robert Quinn, sack early in the game, mocks the belt. You got to know that there's a, there's a long history of guys mocking the belt and getting demolished by Aaron Rodgers. Stephen Tullock literally had the instant karma when he mocked the belt in the celebration and tore his ACL on that celebration. (laughs) You have to know at, by this time that if you're going to do it, Aaron Rodgers is going to get the best of you. And I mean, shit, he did in that game. That was incredible, man. One of the highlights of the weekend for sure. I did want to, I went back and watched all of Justin Fields' throws. And I thought this was, he did not play poorly. Like it wasn't a highly graded game. Um, There were a handful, those deep interceptions. Like what, like I think he was like trying to give his guy a chance, but both times, and I don't think one of them was charted as an interception, but they were definitely turnover worthy plays. Um, The one he thought was offsides. And and I don't blame him for that. When you, so that was like Aaron Rodgers in this championship game against the Seahawks in 2014. He throws that pick to Richard Sherman because he thought he had a free play. Mm-hmm. And when you think you have caught a guy off sides and have a free play, you can't really go looking for the flag. Like yeah, the, yeah. the center snaps it, you trust the center, and then you throw it up that deep ball. And that's kind of what he did. Obviously, they weren't on, his receivers weren't on the same page, and then it ends up just being an easy pick for Darnell Savage. But uh, I can't really blame him for that one. The other one, though, was pretty bad. I, I mean, those brought down his grade significantly. But when you go back and watch, you know, specifically early in that game, he had that sideline shot to Allen Robinson. He had another really good throw to Darnell Mooney. I thought he used his legs well. This was not a discouraging start yeah. for Fields, in my opinion. I thought it was encouraging. I think he continues to show a lot of what we saw at Ohio State, a very accurate throw of the football that can win with his legs when he needs to. I still think, you're, you know, you brought up rookie decisions with Trevor. There is still some rookie decisions yes. with Justin Fields. Not so much, you know, because you talk about some of the concerning quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. The ones I have the most concern with, and I think you'd agree with this, are the ones that are inaccurate as hell. Like, those are tough. It's tough to grow beyond that. And tough to build an offense around that if you're not an elite runner like Lamar Jackson, et cetera. With Fields, still very accurate with the football. That was super positive for me. Yeah, I think the arm talent perspective, what you saw in this game, was very encouraging. But there were rookie mistakes. Taking a sack to get you out of field goal range, uh, taking a sack to take you out of uh, that uh, makeable third down towards the end of the game when you're trying to come back um, in the fourth quarter. Like Those are plays that... You just got to – you can't take those. You Mm -hmm. can't have those on tape. You can't – that's losing football to make plays like that. And those are things that he'll realize. Like, it it didn't 
come back. Those things didn't come back to bite him at Ohio State because their offense was so unbelievably dominant because it was such a favorable situation because he could outrun defensive tackles. Yeah. Now Kenny Clark's chasing him down because, shit, the guys in the NFL are fucking athletic too. So I, I do think <laughs> that he's going to learn those things, and that is why you get him out there on the football field to learn them. Bengals, Lions in Detroit. Lions were favored by three and a half. They lose this one 34-11. Let's start with Chris Evans, Brutal. former Michigan guy, makes his oh, yeah. trip back to Michigan and has a absolutely – we watched this. I think we were watching this together. I don't know. I remember just saying, what the hell, this route. It was absurd. He ends up putting – I think it was Jalen Reeves-Maven in mud. I think Maven is still looking for Chris Evans because it was, it was the worst – Beautiful defense of a go route I think I've ever seen it was that bad yeah that uh I've seen worse Kevin King no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I mean it's up there <laughs> the, it was gorgeous though I mean that's who he was he was an incredible route runner coming out of Michigan you'll watch the senior bowl one-on-ones and he looked like a wide receiver and he's 220 like that that was very impressive for him he was my, my guys at the running back position in this class Chris Evans was 106 in the PFF draft board Khalil Herbert 91 both showing out this past weekend, uh, getting their opportunities. But yeah, that was a beautiful, get that guy more involved in this, you know, Bengals passing attack because as much as they love to go empty, empty, excuse me, when you have Chris Evans, that's like another wide receiver out there. I, I know Joe Mixon's no slouch himself, but I'll take Chris Evans' route running ability over Joe Mixon's. I think he's just a little bit more polished at this point and a little bit more accomplished that I, when you go empty, motion him out of the backfield, that's a legit weapon who can win down the football field for you. So I, I like him getting more touches as the season goes along. Like I said in one of the preseason podcasts. <laughs> Chris Evans, um, that's, uh, that's fantastic. Other side of the ball, I don't know if you saw the quote from Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell said something along the lines of, I just want a little more out of him in regards to Jared Goff. What has been your opinion of Goff so far this year? Has he not met expectations at least? I mean, what are they expecting from him so far? I think he's met my expectations. I mean, and they're working with the, one of the worst <laughs> receiving cores in the NFL, and it's the, it's and, the and worst unideal offense. Yeah, it's the worst receiving core in the NFL at this point. Uh, he's not taking chances down the football field because, well, there's no chance to be taken. Six point nine average depth of target. You, it's you see it on the opposite side of the ball in this game with the Bengals and Joe Burrow connecting another go ball to Jamar Chase. How much having that guy that you trust that does win at that level of the football field? makes you look better down the football field. Yeah. I mean, go balls are very much a wide receiver-driven proposition. Like, it, it is – if a guy has three to four yards of separation on a go ball, you can put it in a big area of the football field, and it's going to result in a catch, a PI, something good for the offense. Whereas if you have a guy who is getting stacked by the cornerback, it's going to result in a bad thing for the offense. I don't care how perfectly yeah. you place that football, as you saw with – that was Jalen Hurts on Thursday Night Football. Throws a really nice go ball. Jamel Dean just suns Quez Watkins to the sideline. That is a, like I said, go balls are a wide receiver driven proposition you're seeing right now with Sam Howell at North Carolina without De'Ami Brown. So my point of that was that Jared Goff is not the type of quarterback who can overcome that with his accuracy and decision-making at other aspects of the football field. I also argue it's very chemistry-driven, too. And he obviously doesn't have a ton of that with this receiving core. I think you need guys that could come in, not, yeah. not just create separation, but you also understand the timing of it and that stuff. The you know I brought up Jalen Hurts, second lowest average of the target from a clean pocket. Jared Goff with the lowest so far this year, not pushing the ball downfield, very hesitant to do so. And like you said, rightfully so, your opinion of Joe Burrow lately a top three graded passer from a clean pocket so far this year on a tear with Jamar Chase in tow he has been very good to start the season yeah excellent I mean this was the guy this is what you thought coming out of LSU that you'd see 
obviously year one rookie transition, whatever. But back healthy, confident, knee looks like not an issue whatsoever. The Bengals are they're contenders. I mean, Super Bowl contenders. Not like Super Bowl contenders. Playoff contenders. Yikes. AFC awful. North contenders. AFC. No, I don't even know about AFC North contenders. Like wild card contenders. <laughs> well, they got the Baltimore Ravens this upcoming week. That will be. This will be a, big, a very good yes. game. I'm excited. I don't know. I mean, I would side with Baltimore. I think they're probably going to be three and a half point favorites. I can see them as four point favorites. But I like Cincinnati to contend with some of these guys. They're definitely a lot better, obviously, than they were a year before. Texans at Colts. I picked Davis the Neck Mills to cover the nine and a half, and I look like an idiot. Colts win 31-3. This was by far the best game Carson Wentz has played probably since 2016. Yeah. I mean, this was an unreal performance for him. What, 94.2 PFF grade in this one. I think the T.Y. Hilton coming back was huge. He's helped a ton. He had a really gorgeous ball to Mo Alley-Cox as well in the end zone that was dropped. This was a fantastic performance for Wentz, and so much of it was, in my opinion, he had some time. He had a lot of time in the pocket. He, yeah. You know, they ran the play-action shots a ton. That was a special performance for Wentz. And this, Carson Wentz, can actually, you know, beat up on bad teams like they did against the Texans. And I honestly think can compete with other teams in the AFC. I'm not going to go that far because it is still the Texans. And it is still Davis Mills that they were going up against. Okay. Like, we kind of got lulled into a false sense of security with Davis Mills after he put on a show against Patriots. It was just fun to root for him. Yeah, it was. That's the problem. Know, it was. The neck was You can lose electric. a lot of bets betting on the team that's more fun to root for. <laughs> That's not a good decider in where to lay your money. But this was the this was a classic Carson Wentz performance. It was basically showed who Carson Wentz is. Not under pressure in this game. Goes 10 of 15 for 217 yards with two touchdowns and, and two other dropped passes, one of those being a drop pass to Mo Alley Cox in the end zone that he ended up actually scoring, I think, like two plays later. And then under pressure, he went one to five with first six yards and took two sacks. Like, he, 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 that is him. When pressure comes, when pockets aren't good, he cannot operate when things are clean, when he has time, and when his eyes are downfield and he has guys running open, he will hit them. But it's just you still have to play under pressure a 30 or snaps in the NFL and to be throwing those out the window like he kind of has so far this season. You better not face a good pass rush if you're the Indianapolis Colts. So you better just get that offensive line that they had last year, two years ago which has not been the case so far this season. I think Brandon Cooks had a phenomenal quote, I think, after the game, talking about just how everyone on the team is just undisciplined. You know, he said, you know, discipline requires player buy-in. It just does not have it in Houston. Not a lot of players, you know, all in. I mean, and it's tough to be. I mean, that's a tough situation to be in. David Culley, I would Kelly right now, probably doesn't have buy-in, you know, with the losses that they're taking and obviously the situation that well, they're in. With Yeah, I was going to say, with fucking Deshaun Watson on, on the active roster, not playing every single week, it's difficult to go into every game with any sort of sense of... And I can't imagine there's a ton of, like, unified leadership. You know, Brandon Cooks is one of the veterans there, one of the leaders there, but you, Davis Mills... You know, you had Terod Taylor, he's hurt, now you have Davis Mills. A lot of, you know, new faces in Houston. We talked about it a ton in the offseason about how much they added. I mean, they added, like, 30, 40 players. This locker room's entirely changed. I think it's probably difficult to unify that locker room around anything with how much you know, is going on. All right, Rams at Giants. Giants, 10-point dogs at home. And Matthew Stafford and company blow them out, 38-11. to 11. This was easily the worst Daniel Jones we've seen this season. Yeah. And we talked you know, probably every week about the, Daniel Jones is not the reason they're losing games. This is not the reason they're losing games. He was the reason they lost this one because he did not play well in this one, one of the lowest graded passers on the week. Yeah, and obviously losing Kadarius Tony early on or aggravating his ankle. Not great, but also Daniel Jones just like fumbling again, throwing just 
picks underneath, which like there's no reason to throw picks underneath. Like if you're going to throw a pick, throw it down the football field at least. And, and that's kind of been the the MO for Daniel Jones throughout his career. It's like when he puts together good games, it is at the intermediate underneath level. He's still – and again, again, that symbiotic relationship of having the talent wide receiver but also the quarterback trusting it. Yeah, I think he has the talent at wide receiver this year. Like, I think when Kadarius Tony's out there, when Kenny Galladay's out there, those guys can get open down the football field, but he still has the fewest deep attempts of any quarterback who has played six games in the NFL this season. So, obviously, like, there's some others. Matt Ryan's had fewer, but he's only played five games. So, he's only 17 deep attempts all season long, and that's the kind of the opposite of where the NFL is going. You have to generate these explosive plays. We talk about it every single week, that the elite offenses are capable of that. Uh, the Giants – will not be that until they start doing that and until they obviously fix the offensive line. But, I, but that's kind of like goes hand in hand. It's like you can't, you can't uh, have a consistent offense when it's going to be no explosive plays and a below average offensive line. I want to talk more positives. Uh, on the Los Angeles Rams side, Cooper tough. Cup continues to have a stellar career year. He leads the NFL in yards per out run versus press coverage, has been absolutely fantastic with Stafford. Probably the biggest winner of this trade has been just his performance. He's been yeah. phenomenal with him. He had that he was the beneficiary beneficiary of that no look pass that is kind of surfacing social in the end zone. With Stafford his grade won't look as good as the box score in this one. He did have that dropped pick. I think he threw it right to 55's mm -hmm. hands. Was not, you know, perfect by any means in this one. But man, when he is tacking down the field, he is doing it with so much better, you know, so much better results than with Jared Goff. And this downfield passing attack in Los Angeles can actually be really good when you have a quarterback like Stafford that can hit the deep ball. Yeah, well, I think it just expands kind of the concept, the downfield concepts. It's like that, that uh, you know, the dig route can be at, 20 yards instead of 10 you know and you could still feel confident about Matt Stafford getting to that and so I think that's been the biggest difference between Goff and Stafford is just the depths of which you can attack and feel confident about attacking and it's not that Matt Stafford's playing you know, super different football than what we've seen from him in his career it's just that the offense is catered to that, and they have a lot of talent around yep. him to do so. And that's honestly what a lot of offenses are chasing. You know, yeah. the quarterback position, we so want so. to go further down the field. We want yeah, to bring in the big arms. We talked about it with Daniel Jones. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, before we get to Chiefs football team, NFL fans hungry for a big win this week, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can, just, can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings daily fantasy sports contest DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now use promo code PFF just bet five dollars on any NFL team to win their game and if they win $200 in free bets instantly. If they win, you win promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I have one more point about the Giants. And it goes back to... About the Giants? Yes. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a negative point, sorry. Oh, no. It's not much, not much good to write home about the Giants well, here, though. I'll just say... But it comes back to the what's predictive in the NFL or what's sustainable year on year. And we talk about how defenses, it's difficult to maintain elite defenses. Not a lot of people can. Giants last year, everyone would have said they, you know, 
an up-and-coming defense, one of the best defenses in the NFL last year, top 10 defense, only add players, only add a Dory Jackson, only add guys to this defense. Where are they? Fourth to last in points per game this year. But Dory Jackson's actually played well. Their highest-graded corner in terms of coverage grade. You just can't sustain defensive success. It is a difficult thing to hang your hat on unless you are the elite of the elite. There are just not many teams that could do it. That's why we say invest in the offensive side of the ball. But continue. All right, Chiefs football team, unless you want to drag the Giants one more time. Uh, we'll save that for next week. All right, saving it for next week. <laughs> Chiefs football team, football team at home, seven-point dogs, and man, another cover by the favorite, the road favorite. Chiefs win 31-13, even despite what was at times an ugly performance from Patrick Mahomes, but he obviously made up for it in a lot of other ways. I think a lot of people focused in, at least early in that game, on Mahomes, the interceptions. He had that one where it was just like dramatically under pressure and just like lofted it up like a little baby punt to the That Washington was maybe the worst. Team. Patrick Mahomes play I've ever seen in my life. Of his career? Yeah. Uh, like, okay, yeah. Uh, his life too. Yeah, it was just awful. That was, I literally made a noise in my apartment. I was like, what? <laughs> oh, he doesn't do that. Like, he does not make that play. It looked like, uh, like a play that Nathan Peterman would make. Yeah. Not Patrick Mahomes, but continue. All right. Um, Chiefs football team, yeah, like I said, 31-13. Mahomes, that can we talk about the play that's like you're literally taking over Twitter? Oh, he's yeah, rolling out. Side, yeah, he's rolling body. out. So what's obviously talked about a ton is like how the hell does he make that throw? Like that is like arm talent on display and a half. But Tyreek Hill also making the decision to like because in the sprint, scramble drill, yeah, yeah, sprint away. Yeah, from in you. the scramble drill, you have receivers obviously going towards the quarterback to make throws easier to get open that stuff. Tyreek Hill's like fuck it, goes opposite direction. Mahomes like love to see it and then hits him in stride. That was like the fact that Hill even thinks to make that decision. No, I mean it just shows like yeah. how much confidence the receiving core, the coach staff, everyone has in Mahomes to like make the otherworldly play because that play is made by one one person. One person makes that decision. Well, I guess one receiver makes that, you know, makes that move. And it was incredible to see just Hill sprint the opposite direction. Mahomes like, yes, sir. That was another insane part of what was already an insane play for Mahomes. Yeah, the the most insane stat I think I've seen through six weeks now. I guess we're not completely through six weeks, but this stat: Tyreek Hill leads the NFL, tied for the lead in the NFL in receptions, forty-six receptions. He has not had a single contested catch all season long. To find the next closest wide receiver to not have a single contested catch, you have to go down to 31 receptions, Hunter Renfro. He, he is leading the NFL and doesn't have, and none of his catches have been with anyone on him the whole year. That is how <laughs> open Tyreek Hill gets. That is the most absurd stat I've ever heard. Yeah. So Man, that's a streak that I'm going to have to follow every single week. A lot of that in my opinion, is obviously Hill, just no one can stick with him. But the other part of it, too, is that they do such a good job with Hill, like getting him open, scheming him open, and stuff like that. But still, that is banana land. Yeah. I can't believe that. That was that was wild. Um, for the football team, your take on Taylor Heineke, the football team experience, this defense, are you out on the football team? I'm out. I'm closing the book on this year for the football team. I picked them, I believe, to make the wild card. It's not happening. They're too in, Heineke's just too inconsistent. Too, he's a backup quarterback. He's not a starting quarterback in the NFL. Like, when in doubt, he's forcing the ball to Terry McLaurin, and it's like, Terry McLaurin's great, but you need more options there. You need to you know, operate the offense, and time and time again, it seems like Taylor Heineke cannot do that. So uh, with the defense not being, again, we can talk Top about five. the Giants with the defense not taking a step back, not being able to sustain the success they had last year, not being able to live up to the expectations. This is not a playoff team. This is going to be another team where it's really going to be really interesting to see what they do in the offseason. You know, how do they approach the quarterback position? You know, <laughs> you have these teams that. 
know, didn't make a play on quarterback and, you know, went with Ryan Fitzpatrick. You saw the Eagles obviously committing to Jalen Hurts, Broncos committing to Teddy B. I think the other team is Panthers committing to Sam Darnold. Now you enter 2022, this draft class with a bad QB room, a bad QB class, or relatively bad the last year. What are they doing? Are they going to run it back with Sam Darnold after this week? <laughs> Especially after this week, that's the next game we got. Are you going to run it back with Hurts? A lot of teams in like this quarterback purgatory are less than pur- like what's a step below purgatory? Because purgatory is supposed to be this average thing. Like this is like kind of shitty, like hell plus. You know, like it's kind of like it's like really hot. You know, it's like like 150, you know, 125 degrees, and you're just kind of hell plus. Sounds pretty rough. Can we talk about the real story of the game though? Jackson Mahomes dancing on the Sean Taylor sign. That's not the, the real Taylor story logo. of the game. That was the real story of the game. The amount of people outraged about that after the game was but isn't so i saw someone mention that and i and i find jackson mahomes as insufferable as anyone else trust me i I love going and checking his tweets and Brittany matthews tweets after their losses because it makes me brings me joy to see them uh whine as much as they do but that was nothing that was a non-story the people that were getting mad over that there was like an obvious like if you saw the pictures of it there was an obvious place where they were told to stand like Like they were supposed to stand there and if you tell jackson mahomes to stand somewhere he's gonna make a tiktok there i just that's that's you tell most people his age i mean tiktok's kind of taken over with those dances i think uh, that's the thing that i struggle with not just jackson mahomes specifically the boomer that is me 27 years old boomer I don't understand the like rage of like the solo dancing, like the solo, like selfies were oh. big when I was like, like, why is that a huge thing? I, I sound like an asshole right now, but I don't really get it. I don't. I mean, I'm older than you. You know, I don't get it either. It's so. crazy. It's crazy. I, I, I don't want to talk about it anymore because I, I legitimately <laughs> don't understand. <laughs> it is a space I do not understand. The only TikToks I follow oh. are the cooking ones. I like the cooking TikToks. Even cooking I, don't TikToks cook. yeah. I don't cook. I like the cooking TikToks. All right. We've got to stop talking about our TikTok interests. Vikings at Panthers. Panthers, one point dog at home. They lose to the Minnesota Vikings 34 28. Start with Sam Darnold. Did not look Oof, good in this game. Again. Yeah. I, I, the, I think we was it fool's gold to start the season? Was it fool's gold? Because this Sam Darnold we saw the last two weeks has been bad, like really yeah. bad. I will say two things. One, the fourth quarter, the the drive to lead him back was sick. He was that was a good that was good Sam Darnold. That's the guy you hope to see more of. He also had eight drops from his receivers. Fair, but he also went seventeen of forty one. Like twenty five of forty one is not that looking that much better than seventeen of forty one. I mean, it is better, but it's still not good. So those two caveats. But, man, it wasn't just mistakes with the football. This was the Sam Darnold experience that you saw in New York. And now the three-game stretch he had to start the year is better than any Sam Darnold we ever saw in New York. But also, you can't win. or This isn't a guy that can go in the tank like this back-to-back weeks. You're not going to win with him. Like yeah. that, That's not a guy you can win Super Bowls with if that's going to be the case. If that's your goal. Yes. So that is uh, – I think what we're seeing is – guess not too surprising you know like the the surprising part was that they ever thought that he was worth a second and a fourth and the overall commitment knowing that this quarterback class was good you could have gone with you know Justin Fields and Mac Jones etc um so far over the last or not so far over the last two weeks the four lowest graded quarterbacks in the NFL Taylor Heineke Jared Goff Sam Darnold and Daniel Jones all significant question marks around what they're going to do with the future of that position um will be interesting to follow I will say this about the Vikings Christian Darrisaw looked good. First start at left tackle. Very difficult sort of first start to go up against when it's Hassan Reddick and Brian Burns, two edge guys that ran four fives coming out. That is not easy for your first game when I'm not sure Darrisaw saw a single, I mean, probably didn't saw, see a single guy that's athletic in his entire college career. That's your first taste of the NFL. One pressure all your game long. Yeah, it was on uh, in the two-minute drill at the end. Uh, Should have been a sack, but pretty ugly. But it was against Brian Burns. That will happen. 
I thought he looked very good for most of the game in pass protection, cleared out a hole on C.J. Ham's big run in that game. I, I was impressed for a first start for a rookie against that matchup with what Darisaw did. That's, that's massive for this Vikings team because we said – what Kirk Cousins is doing behind that offensive line is nothing short of impressive. That offensive line is one of the worst in the NFL, or was one of the worst in the NFL when Rashad Hill was out there at left tackle. If Darisaw can be this guy, what we saw in this game the rest of the season, big upgrade. Even average to above average. You know, we yeah. talk about you know positional value. Oh, yeah. I mean, he wasn't like elite, but like <laughs> yeah. this was average. It's tackle what you need. Play. It's what you yeah. need. Like if you can bring him in Which and you have a rookie on a rookie contract, an offensive tackle, the second highest paid position in the NFL, play at this level. That's huge, massive. And if he develops, obviously, you know, like a Colton Miller-like curve where that second, third year, you start to really see him you know, be top 10, top 15 at the position, that's massive for the Minnesota Vikings. And this is looking, I mean, it's one game. Uh, I guess I'll hold off on any sort of takes on that Jets-Vikings trade just yet. Yeah, hold off, hold off. Let's hold get off. to Ravens-Chargers. Um, wow. Chargers were favored by three at home, and they win big. 34-6 over the Los Angeles Chargers. Ravens were favored by three. Favorite, yeah, Ravens were favored by three at home, win big, 34-6. Uh, I want to start with Justin Herbert. I think a lot of people expected him to keep things close. In this one, I don't think he played terribly at all. This is not like, we told you so, Herbert sucks. It's more this one, one of the first times they saw a really high percentage of man coverage. He saw yeah. probably the highest percentage of tight windows yeah. he's seen all season because of that man coverage play. And there was some erratic ball placement, even on some of the easy throws from Herbert in this one. Got under pressure a decent amount. I still feel like, though, when he did have receivers open and he was in rhythm, was hitting them in stride, I thought he played well. Not well enough, though, to compete against what was a very good performance from Lamar Jackson, the Ravens offense. Yeah, I think you saw some accuracy issues. Like, this was probably his most erratic performance yep. in terms of just ball placement, a number of throws that could have been there that kind of just were off. Um, and then Marlon Humphrey ate Mike Williams' lunch, man. Like, th that guy was any money down. He could not go Mike Williams' way. So hats off to Marlon Humphrey. That's why you pay him what you pay him. Only two of six targets on the day for 19 yards. That was a lockdown sort of CB1 type of performance. And Ravens, man, they, they – they look back to 2019 Ravens after kind of like both sides of the ball seemingly took a step back last year. This team looks tough right now. And Rashad Bateman, now we didn't only got a taste of him. He had a little drop, but that hitch route that he kind of like saw some after afterwards, oh, gorgeous to watch. And he's just going to add that element to the offense. Just another guy you can trust. Um, excited to see it. And I will say Lamar Jackson looked, wasn't two great shakes on the other side either, but they ran for 187 yards at 4.8 yards per clip on the ground. That's what <laughs> with, you know, shit all at running back that, that's what Lamar Jackson brings to the table um, and you're going to consistently be able to rely on that that's why they are a high floor offense I think uh, a big reason why you know Lamar Jackson's grade was pretty bad in this one I think it was like low 60s he had that pick over the middle what was that oh, yeah, was, he was like the, I didn't even see the guy didn't yeah, even see the, it was, the linebacker definitely just didn't see him come from back yeah didn't see him but um, yeah this was an impressive I think this Lamar Jackson-led Baltimore Ravens team can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with anyone in the AFC, as as evidenced by this you know blowout win over the Chargers at home. And I think it's because of of Lamar Jackson in a lot of ways. I think he should be more in the MVP conversation than he is. The four favorites to win MVP right now: Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, Tom Brady. He's not even in the the top five of that conversation. So um, I'm interested to see as the Ravens you know continue to move forward if Lamar Jackson starts to enter that repeat conversation. Cardinals, Browns, Browns favored by three. Yikes. Mm. This was the Baker Mayfield that no one wanted to see. This yeah. is the one that has Colin Cowherd sprinting to the podium, ready to call Baker Mayfield forever, for lack of a piece of shit. Like, he's just like, this is the worst Baker. You know, <laughs> that's what Cowherd can't wait for these games because it came. Yeah. 
This game was awful. Did not play well. I don't think he's the talked about anything terrible. else today, Coward, on his show. It was just Baker Mayfield for three hours. The fumbles were terrible, in my opinion. Yeah. That was like I think those are some of the worst plays. Like He was trying to make something out of not necessarily nothing, but two times he fumbled the ball. One of them he, got hurt, he hurt his yeah. shoulder and ended up coming back from. This is bad Baker, and bad Baker, you lose to the you know the Cardinals at home, thirty-seven, fourteen. Yeah, Baker just like should stop scrambling. I don't think, I don't think he's ever made like a nice play out. I mean, he's made some. Yeah, nice come plays, on, but he, but he is that is not his game. He thinks though that like he he has a higher opinion of his own athleticism than NFL defenders. Yeah, who are chasing. I mean, him overall down. ability, I would say, and it's just like he he should be not passing up maybe some contested throws to try to make a play on his own. He should be throwing that contested throw and just taking that chance because, uh, and especially when you have a torn labrum in your left shoulder that he re-aggravated in this game. So that was tough. We did get a little taste of my Odell theory after he went out in the second quarter and then Od- then Baker hits the Hail Mary. He doesn't <laughs> hit that Hail Mary if Odell's on the football You're field. High. I'm just saying it. He doesn't hit that Hail Mary if Odell's on the football field. I think we all can agree on that. But – the the Browns offense without their two offensive tackles is just not going to be good. I mean, no, not a lot of teams can survive that, but especially with Baker and how he performs under pressure, just how he reacts, it's not going to be one of them. Talk to me about the guy who caught that Hail Mary. Donovan Peoples-Jones actually looks good. He has played a lot better than, you know, I think we originally expected. Donovan Peoples-Jones kind of showing up. I'm not sure that's – I mean, he has, what, 13 catches this year? Nine. He has nine of them. He has the highest percentage of contested catches of any receiver in the that's his NFL. game, though. That's his game. Well, and he also is like a starter who only has 13 catches through six weeks. And one of them is a Hail Mary. But he is 9 of 9 in contested situations, which is insane start to the season for him. So hats off to that. But I'm still like that. there's a reason that offense looks bad without Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham on the football fields because he's, he's not that guy. But I will say, other side of the football, Kyler Murray, I'm officially changing. He's now my MVP through six weeks. Justin Herbert was after last week. Justin Herbert plays poor this week. Kyler Murray falls it. out. Kyler it's a week-to-week league. It's a week-to-week league. And when you're so early on, like, what am I going to do? Get Dig my heels in and say, no, it's still Justin Herbert. No, it's Kyler Murray. This was a dominant performance from him, even though it took one of the worst roughing the past calls I've ever seen in my life from Malik Dude, Jackson. Dude, he didn't even – so I, I was glad you brought that up. So Malik Jackson, the Cleveland Browns defensive tackle, yeah. gets called for a roughing the passer. He doesn't hit Kyler Murray's helmet – and Kyler Murray doesn't go to the ground and still get, I've never seen that before. Like usually it's one of the two or both. He hit doesn't I don't know how that was roughing. It wasn't even that yeah. late. I, it was uh that was a rough call. That was one of the call. worst. But I, I will say this Cardinals offense, it, it feels different this year. And I think one of the biggest stats for that is that they're just like last year seemingly the screens and the RPOs they ran were they were just it was a super stale sort of how they were incorporated into the offense. They've already gained, so last year gained 263 yards on 75 screens all year long. They've already gained 250 yards on screens, 36 screens so far this year. They've already gained as many, almost as many yards on RPOs as they did all of last year. Like that is a different, there's just a different element that they're not kind of throwing screens as afterthoughts. It actually looks like they're incorporated into this offense. Uh, and obviously Kyler Murray is playing exceptionally well creating a lot on his own, but I do think just the schematically, it feels like they're dialing up things at the right time compared to last year where it was just like he would get stuck throwing hitches 10 times a game, and it was just no no sort of cohesiveness to that Cardinals offense. Last thing I'll add on the Cardinals, Saban Collins, I think he only played like 16 snaps in this one, but 
graded really well, was really impressive. And I still find it crazy just how big and monstrous he looks on an yeah. NFL field. Because at Tulsa, it looked like comedic. Like he didn't even look – he looked like he was, they were playing men against boys. But even in the NFL, he, in the limited snaps he played, looked really, really good, flows the ball really well, laid a big hit on a handful of um, underneath passes. I think uh, Zayvon Collins getting slowed into the NFL, slowly played in the NFL, but I think he's uh, – some positives yeah. in this one. Raiders, Broncos. Broncos favored by four. And I think the trend continues that teams, after firing their coach – are I think five and zero against the spread and five and zero outright like they've won every game. So Raiders. Okay, wait. They didn't fire John Gruden. He resigned. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> Raiders. Big difference. Raiders to win thirty four twenty four. Um, Derek Carr man continues to unleash the deep ball. He has been so much more aggressive than he has been in previous years. I mean, this isn't this is the most aggressive we've seen since the Crabtree Cooper era in twenty sixteen. Yeah. This year leads the NFL in deep passing yards, has the third highest average depth of target, and had five big time throws in this one, including everyone wants to bring up the rug stuff. That pearl to Kenyon Drake down the left sideline yeah. on the out and up was absolutely gorgeous. And in the two minute drill, oh my goodness, Derek Carr has been phenomenal. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you there. He's like the reason they are winning games. And they, I wrote that article about how the personnel surrounding him, like they kind of have this Chiefs-esque personnel there where they have the shot guy. You have the reliable guy at the intermediate level in Darren Waller. You have And Hunter Renfro. Yeah, Hunter Renfro. You got a running back that can catch. Like you got the personnel there to do it. But I will say, the one thing that always cracks me off about Derek Carr is when he throws those like lollipop balls down the football field. You know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about? The one the to ones. Darren Waller, that yeah. one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or he just kind of like it's like shoots like straight up. Those ones, I feel like no one else. It's does a really it, catchable ball. Throws them quite like like Russell Wilson will throw like a, a deep ball that has like a obviously uh, increased, like intentionally increased arc. But like Derek Carr feels like he's almost uh, like leaning back on a lob wedge and trying to like really. Uh, flip one up there, trying to hit a flop shot to like his tight end. Those ones are always great. I don't golf. I don't know what a flop shot is, okay. but um, I did. I did laugh at just how high that Brandon Parker. I mean, the, not Brandon Parker. Uh, Darren Waller yeah. throw was. It was just like a looper, and it was on a. He was crossing the field too. I thought it gave the cornerback enough chance to maybe get in there too, which was uh, interesting. The other thing I had on the Raiders side, and I want to talk Broncos too, but Brandon Parker, Andre James, and Alex Otherwood, sub sixty point PFF grades. It's still going to be difficult. Yes. To I mean, there's a reason why they kind of started slow. Like the offensive line is still such a big concern for the Raiders, and that's affected them mostly probably in the run game. Like they're mm-hmm. really struggling to get Josh Jacobs to average more than four yards per carry because of how much he's hitting, you know, getting in the backfield and stuff like that. You wanted to bring up though Max Crosby. I did because again, he did it again. At, what ten pressures in this game? Up I think to, charted with like three sacks. A lot of them were kind of like pr- pursuit sacks, but yeah. still up to forty-three pressures on the season eight more than anyone else in the nfl and again it's been it's been one of the easier matchups for any like the string of tackles he's gone against not great but you still got to beat up on the bad ones too and he even had pressure against garrett Bowles in this game who is obviously the better of the two broncos tackles there and a pretty damn good he just got paid himself soft season but i said it i wish i could go back and find the soundbite but halfway through his rookie year i'm like i'd rather have max crosby right now and cleveland farrell after it because he was very athletic. Call him the white Brian Burns coming out of Did you? Eastern Michigan. Because uh, we were on the podcast with me when I said it. Or maybe you weren't, actually. That would have been before uh, your time. Might have been before 2 for 1 drafts time. But he was that caliber of athlete. Like, his testing-wise, go back and look, was off the charts. And he has turned his body 
around as well. So I think it speaks to the development. And that guy looks like he's added about 15 to 20 pounds since he was at Eastern Michigan when he was this stick, six foot five, rushing the passer there, had no power to his game. He's bull rushing guys left and right now. He looks like the real deal. And yeah, he's not going to be 10 pressures every game. He's not going to be this dominant. It's going to slow down at some point when he faces some legit tackles. But again, you don't always face legit tackles. You might get to you know a playoff game and face some guy who stinks, and then he's going to be taken over because that's uh, the type of defensive end he looks like right now. And Crosby graded super well for Eastern Michigan. He's always had you know this array of pass yeah. rush moves. He's always been successful as a pass rusher. The, the issue has been and was when he was drafted that he didn't have the size, the strength to go yes. you know bully some guys. And the, when you, I went back because I. Yeah, I saw you uh, tweet out the picture of him now versus him at Eastern Michigan, and it reminded me of when Mike Mayock called him and he was being drafted. He said the number one thing. He said, I need you to add some fucking weight. Like, I need you to add weight. I need you to get I'm in sure the weight room. sure he said fucking weight. He didn't say fucking weight. <laughs> but I need you to get in the weight room and add strength and add mass because you yeah. need. that's the biggest area you need to improve. And, like, that has been full form. I think he's added, like, 20, 25 pounds since getting to Las Vegas, and that has completely changed him. I mean, it's completely changed him, and now he's, like, legit – yeah, edge defender in the NFL. Any comments on the Broncos side? We spent so much on Raiders. Yeah, I think Vic Fangio is probably gone. No, really? I do. I just think it's going to happen. It, uh, and I'm not sure it's his fault, but this I, I don't foresee it getting that much better. Teddy's, you know, doc, Teddy's Teddy. He's not the guy that's going to take you over that hump, and it's a very good roster. But he looked, he's limited, and he looked the part in this game and in the NFL nowadays going back to the staff conversation going back to the, the theme of this season limited passers it's not worth it's not winning and I just don't I, I don't foresee the Broncos competing in this in this division when you have Herbert Carr Mahomes all attacking down the football field the way they do yeah you're a distant fourth at the quarterback position there before we get to Cowboys, Patriots, Western Southern, proud sponsor of Tailgate, whether it's football success or financial savvy, the right questions help set the stage for the winning strategies. Western Southern is teaming up with PFF's very own Chris Collinsworth, the boss, the big man, to share insights that can help you put help put you ahead on both your fantasy and financial scoreboards. Want to hear about Chris's old playing days or behind the scenes with Al on Sunday Night Football? How about a need to know for your financial future? Now you can ask about either or both. Every fa- And every football or financial question you ask earns you a chance to win a catered party for February's big game. Check out Chris Collinsworth's podcast and Western Southern's Instagram for answers to the best questions each week. Submit your questions at westernsouthern.com slash askchris. One more time, that is westernsouthern.com at slash askchris. If you're watching on YouTube, check out the link in the description below. Remember, when West, with Western Southern, you can rest assured on game day. Cowboys, Patriots, Patriots favored, or no, three and a half point dogs at home. They lose in overtime. Cowboys win 35-29. I want to talk about the Cowboys, but can we please start with Mac Jones? This was such a good week for Mac Jones. He yeah. threw with anticipation. He was accurate with the football, did not throw this game away in any means. And I thought you saw for Mac Jones in this game how he can win, how he can win in the NFL. If he throws and has that chemistry with his receivers and is that comfortable from clean pockets, he can win, regardless of the arm talent, because that was obviously the big you know, caveat with Mac Jones's, um, with Mac Jones's uh, prospects. I think he was phenomenal and if you can put out this kind of performance week in week out I know they didn't win this game that's winning football enough for winning football for New England yeah 92.7 passing grade like he was excellent I think Tony Romo highlighted on the broadcast he's like he's missed two plays all game and he really had and he made some throws under pressure my god he went 
five of six. The, My- the Myers one in OT was yep. hot. Five of six under pressure, 63 yards, and 93.1 grade under pressure. Like, he was staring down free rushers and taking shots, but still delivering. Not No no sort of hesitation, whatever. No crumbling into a ball in the pocket. He was ready to uh, – that was NFL throws that he was making. And now – the last throw to the, the big throw to uh, Kendrick Bourne, the touchdown, was more bad defense, in my opinion, than good offense. I'm not sure that was necessarily, uh, I mean, like, it's the one you have to make, but it wasn't like, oh, gorgeous football. Yeah. It was kind of just like, Kamate Casey blew the shit out of that coverage. He should have been right there at the catch point. It was a terrible angle he took to that football, but he really wasn't making bad decisions with the football and was not, uh, like I said, the only real misses were that pick and then the throw before that in the screen. I think Trayvon Diggs, now seven interceptions in seven games or like eight, something along those lines. It's been yeah, insane. Also had a pick six in this one. I think for that one specifically, I think it was not great ball placement, and you saw it come off of Kendrick Bourne's hands yeah. or whatever that was, and Trayvon Diggs take that one. But he has been but phenomenal. It hit a receiver's hand. Yeah, it's yeah. like it wasn't a disaster of a throw. No, no, it wasn't a disaster yeah. of a throw. He's got, I think, the same odds as Miles Garrett to win defensive player of the year now with all these picks. I mean, he's on that like box score tear right now. Yeah. More touchdowns than Stefan Diggs so far this year. Randy Gregory was another one I wanted to bring up. Man, Oof. that one play, I don't know who the right tackle was. Oh, Yanni Kajust, former West Virginia offensive yeah. tackle. Absolutely torched. And Mac Jones took probably one of the biggest hits of the weekend. I mean, that was a death blow. Randy Gregory has yeah. been phenomenal this year too. Fifth graded, pa- fifth highest pass, pass rushing grade in the NFL. He's about to get paid. This was the guy that everyone thought on Nebraska. The talent was there. Obviously, the drug issues is why he falls, why he's been you know, in and out of the yeah. lineup in the NFL. But this was the talent. This was what everyone always saw. This was always there waiting. And, yeah, Isaiah Wynn got early, early on this game, left tackle for the Patriots. But, again, beating up backups, not everyone does it. So hats off to him. Fantastic performance. Uh, I w- also wanted to highlight the fact that the Cowboys – Wanted to throw this game. Like, that was one of – they were dom- – they should have dominated that game. Offensively, they had almost whatever they wanted. But 115 yards of penalties on 12 penalties, hold seemingly left and right, the fourth down fumble at the goal line. That was absurd. I mean, they – Great play by Bentley, though. They, yeah, great play by Bentley. Hats off, whatever. But that – my guy, like, I, I, I texted my brother. My brother texted me before the game. He had this parlay with the last one to hit was the Cowboys. He's like, should I cash out? before the Cowboys game. I'm like, no, there's no way the Cowboys win. He just had money line. I'm like, there's no way the Cowboys don't win. And then I'm just sitting there like, oh my God, did I just tell my brother to like cash <laughs> out? It was a big parlay too. It was like 10, 10 to win 90 or something. It was, it was already hit like five or six lines before that. And I'm like, this would have been an awful bad beat because the Cowboys were quite easily the better yeah. team in that game. How about Dak Prescott in this one? I think yeah. Dak Prescott right now, like I said, is top three in MVP odds, turned in an 80-plus PFF grade, looked really, really good again, and he and CeeDee Lamb are on a tear so far this year. I mean, even that he had a handful of throws, too, to Cedric Wilson, former Boise State receiver that looked good in this one, too. The Cowboys offense right now, and I I saw Jeff Cavanaugh tweet this right before one of the radio guys down in Dallas, so I, did not, I cannot verify these numbers, but the on-pace numbers for the Cowboys offense right now, Dak Prescott's on pace for 5,335 passing yards. CeeDee Lamb's on pace for 1,408 receiving yards. Mark Cooper, 1,057. Dalton Schultz, the tight end, 1,017. Ezekiel Elliott, 1,476 rushing yards. And Tony Pollard, 1,037 rushing yards. That is a – They're blazing starts. That is – I've said it, I think, on the Thursday pod. I'm like, they have an answer to whatever you want. They can beat you at every single position on that offense, and that's a scary proposition. Yeah, I mean, as long as – I said this after week one. 
and when they lost Tampa Bay. As long as Dak Prescott's healthy, this is a top five offense, borderline top three. This is how good Stop they've three. been. They're going to be yeah. on a tear as long as he's healthy. He's been phenomenal. Seahawks at Steelers. Steelers, five-point dogs at home. Or five-point favorites Fizz. at home. Sorry, five-point favorites at home. And they almost lose this game. Steelers on Sunday night end up winning 23-20 despite Geno Smith like doing nearly everything to lose it. No, he played well, but it was just such an ugly offense. He played well. I mean, you just – He played okay. He didn't played like, better than probably probably – expected which, which my, my was a take low is, expectation. is that the way the offense was going like you're not i mean this was one of the hardest offenses to watch they're down their first two running backs it was it was ugly it was ugly alex collins is like outperforming everyone on the seattle seahawks side and Geno smith so conservative 4.1 average step to target the lowest of any quarterback in week six offense was putrid but not putrid and it putrid enough to lose the game yeah there were three completions in this game targeted 15 yards down the field or more it was it was not great football and you can you know that I think today or not today I guess that was Sunday, you know that Big Ben is washed when he can't pull off his patented pump fake anymore. That's when it's time to hang it up. When he goes the pump fake and fumbles like that, mm-hmm. that, he is the king of the extended pump fake. And when he fumbles it, it's over. That's how you know. <laughs> I think that was the sign we needed to know that. Sorry, Big Ben. I think this isn't your. Not that it's a sign. We knew that before that, but that was it. Trey Norwood in this one also performed well. Your guy, Trey Brown, you mean. Well, no, which Norwood. one? Norwood, Norwood. and Brown. Was, oh, I guess. I mean, Norwood had 92.9 PFF grade in this one for Pittsburgh. He well, looked Trey Brown out. started because they just, the Seahawks, so Trey Brown, former Oklahoma quarterback, started for the Seahawks because they just cut Trey Flowers. After three years of starting from there, it's like, yeah, we're time for a change. That's how bad the Seahawks cornerback Three different trays in this, this conversation? I'm excited. A lot of trays. But Trey Brown, two of five targets for nine yards in this game. Had that big hit. Uh, I believe that that was in OT um, on Ray Ram Cloud good game for the rookie first game first uh first start of his career well the trey i was trying to bring up pittsburgh steelers trey trey norwood the strong safety out of oklahoma uh seventh round pick 92.9 pff grade in this one allowed just three yards receiving had two defensive stops and multiple pass breakups too he was pretty damn good for the pittsburgh steelers on the defensive side of the ball any other takeaways for pittsburgh or i mean 23 20 over geno smith led seahawks team i'm not you know, jumping back on the bandwagon anytime soon. Yeah. I Well, the, my other takeaway was the Jamal Adams best in the nation thing I thought was very obnoxious at the moment it happened. But it turns out it was like a reference to some viral video of a guy who just uh, got shot last week. So if you made fun of him, you're an asshole. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of people misjudged that one. Yeah. Unfortunate. Do you – I know you hate when I bring this up. Do you want to review or preview Bill's Titans one last time? Nope. You don't. I'm going to skip did it. it right? Skip it. If you didn't listen to Thursday show, you're not getting our takes. No, I will I'm, say – this game's going to be good. I mean, it's a good, it's a good game. I, I have no takes on, like, winner or loser outside of what I said last Thursday. But after what we saw last night, an actual meaningful football game could be nice. Ryan Tannehill is the highest-graded passer in the NFL from a clean pocket. He has been – I mean, Just people like have been kind of banging thought. the table for regression from Tannehill ever since that, like, first year yeah. in Tennessee, and it's just not coming. I don't think it's coming, sir. I don't think it's coming. All right. Before we get to the fun to read segment, fun to watch, rookie of the week, blackout of the week, have to bring up one of the more notable sponsors of this pod, Manscaped. It's football season, baby, and you know what that means. It means we're going for two here with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. Blitzing through Harris has never been easier, and it's time for you to join two million men worldwide, including myself, Mike Renner, Stone Rochelle, everyone, by using uh, promo code PFF at manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping. It's three and out the window with all your other trimmers. Now go tame that Wildcat offense. We went to Baton Rouge this weekend. Mm-hmm. And you know what I brought. 
The lawnmower 4.0. I was clean the entire weekend. Clean, bare, all that. Had to do it. Had to do it for Baton Rouge. Had to do it. You need to do it too. The brand new lawnmower 4.0 is here to take your defense to the next level. The fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor, a new multi-function on-off switch, can engage a travel lock, and gives you an ability to turn the 4,000 LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Did I mention this trimmer is waterproof too? Rain, snow, rain, snow, sleet are no match for the waterproof power of the 4.0. There's no 15-yard penalty for this clipping. They need to update that. They don't have clipping in the NFL. They call it blocking the back. They don't. I don't think I've heard clipping in years. Anyway, get 20% off and free shipping with code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code, promo code PFF. The best line of the read, stiff arm your pubes out the playoffs this year with Manscaped. All right. Wait, what'd you say about clipping? I wasn't really paying attention, but they're still clipping. I know they're still clipping. Do you ever hear them say clipping? Oh, it doesn't happen much. It's a very rare penalty as is. Fair. All right. All right. Let's, you... Is clipping not blocking the back? It's when you go low from the behind. Oh. <laughs> That's a penalty? All right, fun to read. Um, let's go to our first one here. I love the fun to read segments. The fun to read segments literally make my year. First one comes from MC Trent 23 This one got – he's a weekend sports talker for WBRZ. I wear it's not make- really him. It's not really him. About oh, it. it's, it's, it's the it's, – it's, just read the tweet. Okay, with regards to Oregon's personal life – or Orgeron's personal life bleeding into his coaching life. Sources also tell WBRZ that there were multiple practices where girlfriends would be in attendance at practice and would interfere to the degree of children of women, the women taking part in the drills with the team. What? <laughs> That's not true. At Orgeron? What? Is that true? Yeah. That's insane. That's he, right. What? This guy, I can't believe this. This thing is a real tweet. And then the other one... Uh, he the the other story but at Ordron mm-hmm. from getting fired was at Ordron pulled up to a woman at a gas station wearing exercise attire and said hey you look like you work out we could work out together the woman informed Ordron she was married and pregnant to which he responded why does that matter no way why are, why are we airing out Ordron's dirty closet here this is rough I mean I was floored by that, the fact that he was getting fired and then I read these and I'm like oh. This makes a lot more sense. Coach, why he would get some Coach O just won the national championship and went directly to his head that he was the king of Louisiana. Which, I mean, he is the king of Louisiana, which he is. That's but incredible. it also went to his head. Man, the Orgeron just getting bodied. We have some more Urban fun Meyer reads here. Or Ed Orgeron, who's who's been hornier this season. <laughs> I don't know. All right, this is from Sharon Williams, NFL Sharon. Leo Collins should look up Wally Pip. Terrence Steele shouldn't be in interim. He won the job in Collins' absence. You can't honestly think Terrence Steele. Are you serious? Who is this? It was – that was a take. That one I saw, I'm like, oh. Like, Lyle Collins is making, I believe, $15 million a year to play tackle in the NFL. Even that alone is like you're not going to bench the guy for someone in year two. But the fact that Lyle Collins is good, probably a top five right tackle in the NFL, and – his lowest graded season in the last four years is still higher than what Terrence Steele's grade is right now. So, uh, and that was four years ago, 2017. Is that Terrence Steele's mom? <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. Last I one here for fun to read. This it, is from Lavern Spicer. I think I saw multiple people tweet this takeout. Yeah. They let Magic Johnson play basketball with full blown HIV, but won't let Kyrie Murray, Ky- Kyrie Irving play because he won't get a COVID shot. Yeah, I that was not really football related, but that one just got me good. That was that just. Is- 
ridiculous. I don't want to talk about it any more than that. That's uh, a it was fun just to read. fun to read. That is fun to read. All right, um, Jared Payton. This is the fun, fun to, to watch, watch. Watch. This dude, Justin Fields, is so much fun to watch. Hashtag Bears. Mm. I think that's a repeat for Justin Fields. That's it insane. is because Joe Burrow said 942 uh, likes. Joe Burrow said he was fun to watch. Also, so he's Justin on the Fields. fun to watch list. Also, shout out to J- Jared Payton. He actually had like a he used to be a rapper. Uh-huh. And he had a really good song back in like when I was in high school that I really liked. It's really? called uh, Nick Cannon's. Go look it up. I might not. There is no offense in the NFL less fun to watch than the Broncos. Wow. A non fun to watch. Wow. From Marcus Mosher. Broncos offense. I added to Kirk Cousins on the not fun to watch list. Broncos offense. All right. Last one from you. Oh, that's right. This guy is sick, though. Yeah. And when you texted me, you said, watch Jason Poe. I'm like, all right, <laughs> I jump in. And all of his, like, positively graded plays, they run a shitload of pulling guard play. And then he, yep. all of his positive plays is he's just – this dude is, yep. like, six foot yeah, 300. So, Go ahead. Jason Poe, Mercer guard, transferred from Lenoir Rhine this year. He is six foot, like, 315, <laughs> and reportedly runs in the three sevens. <laughs> four, has run in the four sevens has a one six two ten split at that size he's like you watch him on tape i was like oh one six two ten split he's flying the guy is flying like taking out linebackers left and right uh wa- watching a pole is a thing of beauty i think they designed that offense purely around they might have they and his ability to pull because that guy is truly impressive now they don't pass protect much they do a lot of full slides whatever is going to be work in progress in that regard and he is short he is six foot tall but he's fun to watch dude go to this tweet if you don't follow pff mike on twitter just look for it because this jason poe tweet just watch this kid pull around and you watch yeah, the it's, yeah, these the plays i tweet are all against alabama too yeah he's pancaking dudes on alabama it, it's it truly is like an impressive watching this guy i was move. going through his tape and it was like i didn't see a pole, pole play for like the first two or three and then there's this one and this dude's just like on his horse like yeah. he is like flying out of his stance he is a uh, hashtag fun to watch i'm glad that you tweeted it i also wanted to bring up the fact that when i do search fun to watch like in the week prepping for this i get like a zillion k-pop videos i think you could search anything and get a K- zillion k-pop yeah videos. maybe that's just it's an seo thing yeah I get a ton, too. But they are fun to watch when you do one. <laughs> All right. Uh, your awards this week. Start with Rookie of the Week. Rookie of the Week. We're going to share it. Mac Jones and Trevor Lawrence played excellent football. I didn't even bring up that throw Trevor Lawrence had before the half, the touchdown. Gorgeous. Mac Jones, obviously, we talked about very efficient, um, exceedingly accurate, playing under pressure, not great offensive line, not great wide receivers. He overcame that against a good Cowboys team. They just they didn't ask him to drop back much. 23 dropbacks in that game. They could have. That's a little bit more of them, but those two guys did not look like rookies this week, and they earn a rookie of the week. I like it. I think Mac Jones graded better, but Trevor Lawrence, again, puts the special throws on tape. Blackout of the week for you. Blackout of the week, and I hate to do it because I like this guy coming out, and I still believe. But Aziz Ojulari has now gone 40 pass rushing snaps over the last two games without a pressure. He has 10 pressures this year in six games. That's not ideal. Um, it's just tough as an undersized edge defender translating the NFL. You know, it, when you're 240 pounds, and you're just not going to be able to win with power. You got to have, you got to be perfect at that point. And 
so far not quite been that guy. So in this past week against the Rams, I, guess I, will, I will say that's no another pressures. position too, though. I mean, both offensive line and defensive line take some time, and it takes some time to develop. Yeah. I think you know, don't write anything off on Aziz Ojulari. This isn't bus watch. This is blackout this is of blackout. the week for the Giants' edge defender. Cake your pants moment of the weekend. I had two. Oh, Be- <laughs> that's a lot for pa- you. Pa- had to had to do some laundry. Um, <laughs> Colin Baton Rouge in Tiger Stadium is electric. And now it wasn't it wasn't a full Tiger Stadium. Sadly, it was not. It, Dude, was, it was an eleven a.m. game. It was like empty. But hearing Colin Baton Rouge there and the entire crowd singing it was awesome. It's one of my favorite country. I looked into time. the crowd and it was pregame. We were allowed on the field pregame, and I was looking like at this like. 45 plus year old woman and she was screaming it at the top of her lungs with her eyes closed and i was like i'm home like this That's, is where i want to be i want to be here <laughs> it was insane and it was like a half it was a half empty stadium and everyone's just losing their goddamn mind calling baton rouge it's a great song you should look it up Brooks, never heard it go check it out and then the other one was aaron Rodgers getting up saying i still own you it was just like you don't get that doesn't happen no like, you don't have a franchise quarterback getting up screaming directly at fans Saying that he owns them. I've owned you my whole fucking life. That and was he incredible. Owned them his whole fucking life. It was. I immediately texted my whole family. I'm like, I got chills. <laughs> yeah, that group chat was yeah. the Packers shareholders. Packers shareholders group chat. I got chills. All right, highlights of the tailgate to close out here. I loved Colin Baton Rouge. Obviously, we got. I got to cook some junk, pl- pasta laya. This guy had like this iron wok. Oh. Or it was just. Okay. It was insane. It was insane. So we yeah. go up to this tailgate. We're like, hey, can we tailgate with you? and put our beers in your cooler we brought like 60 beers and he's like absolutely and he's cooking this fire and he puts the chicken in this big black walk walk and he's like you got to burn the chicken he's he's got a cajun accent i can't really do but he's uh, he's like and he goes through it's like a two and a half hour process we come out of the game Mm -hmm. it wasn't done before we went in and it was honestly the best tailgate food i've ever had in my life borderline you know top 10 top 15 dinner i've had in my life it was and i was already full from going a little bit too hard in the press box food but it was phenomenal this pastelaya i need and i don't think you can get the recipe so much of it is just his him just grinding the tape out there and i got to cook a little bit it was a fun time that was um i'm trying to think other highlights for me just baton rouge in general the gator Gators. okay that was the other highlight was they were cooking a gator on a spit at the bar we went to after the game called revelry and just had a gator spinning in the middle of this bar it was sweet it was cool as the and so that bar we were gator at too, was delicious also by the way but the gator was good yeah so that was baton rouge is a very good time i i i will say i'm not going to give it a grade though i can't give it a grade you can't. it did not have enough snaps to qualify because it was an 11 a.m game no one came out There's like no they, one there. they were on their deathbed everyone saying ordron's gone after this Everyone, everyone's the in Baton Rouge knew that he was going to be fired. They thought he was going to be actually fired after this, but they obviously just came out and announced that he's gone at the end of the season. And so the vibes were at an all-time low. We go to it was called the parade grounds where everyone said you got to go tailgate there. There, they have probably there's more garbage cans set up than people actually tailgating it was at the a parade disaster. grounds because just LSU fans were down bad, and I don't blame them. But I'm not going to give it a tailgate grade because of that. I so. think for, you know, maybe it's next year, maybe it's a year from now, we got to put LSU back on the list because yes. that was just not a good showing. It was yes. just not a good showing. The bars Agreed. after were a good time. The bar we were at, every time LSU scored, they give free shots out. The shots were like borderline lemonade, but it was still uh, a, a fun atmosphere for sure. Yeah. I think the postgame atmosphere was obviously better than the missing tailgaters. But another good week for tailgate this upcoming week. Tuscaloosa. Tuscaloosa. Tailgate heads to Tuscaloosa, Tennessee at Alabama, 7 p.m. kick. Should be an absolute treat. If you're out there in Alabama, make sure to reach out. We're going to be 
throwing it down. Should be a good time. Maybe we'll get some Gator. Who knows? We're going to be out there in Tuscaloosa. Until next time, producer Stone Rochelle, David Safaro, Mike Quinn in spirit, Austin Gale, Mike Renner. Two for- no, tailgate. Sorry, tailgate. That's it for the show. Thanks, guys. Thank you.